What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. everyone welcome to the from the shadows podcast this is shane grove your host and um i want to give a quick update to everybody on jason the super producer he is out of the hospital so he is uh he's, i think on his way to uh to recovery a little bit so um he wants me to let everybody know to keep uh keep him in your thoughts and prayers he really appreciates um all the uh, messages and stuff he's got from all the uh, listeners and fans here the last couple of weeks. And uh, he's still got a long road of uh, recovery ahead of him, but uh, I, I, we all, we all know Jason's a tough, tough dude. He's gonna, he's gonna pull through. So we all appreciate uh, everybody's uh, concern and well wishes. So uh, before we bring our guest on, I want to remind everybody that if you want to get a hold of us, uh, just to say hi, or if you got a story or uh, something you want to share, you can find us at From the Shadows Podcast on Facebook. You can go to our forum page on Facebook called After the Shadows. You can get a hold of me at Shane Grove Author on Instagram or the From the Shadows uh, Podcast Instagram page, or do it the old-fashioned way. Go to our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com, hit the contact page, send us an email. I promise I'll read it and uh, get back to you and uh you know if you get a good story we'd love to have you on the show so and for everybody that can't get enough of what 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 we do you can check us out on our patreon page from the shadows podcast um we usually get all the episodes up commercial free a day early or at least a night early and then we do we do some extra content for everybody uh, a couple times a month uh as much as we can uh as much as we can pull ourselves together and do it because we're all busy <laughs> and it, it never seems to be enough time. So, so with that, I want to introduce uh, our guest who comes highly recommended by a couple of our former guests. Um, and um, since I first made contact with this gentleman, he has sent me some of the craziest pictures, sound recordings, of uh, some of his uh, encounters 
so I, I can't wait to bring him on, have him tell about those encounters and share some of this stuff with you guys. So all the way from um, what sounds like the worst place in the world to live uh, from Australia, we got Yowie Dan. How you doing, Yowie Dan? Good, thank you. Anyone that calls me a gentleman, uh, I like him. So <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> and I don't and I don't mean to put I don't mean to put down Australia, but because it sounds beautiful and I and I do have some friend lots of friends there and uh, but man, we we're talking about how hot it was and you know it seems like every other thing can kill you in Australia. Every other kind of animal it seems like they grow bigger and meaner down there. So. Uh, it just it makes me ter- totally terrified of ever visiting. Yeah, well, we don't really come into contact with a lot of the dangerous animals unless we go out in, into the bush. Like we don't get them. There's not like these kangaroos and brown snakes going around our house. But uh, but if you're somewhere near the bush or your house is near any kind of bushland, then you've got to be very careful of the uh, brown snakes and uh, the funnel web spiders that can kill you as well. So yeah. Oh geez, I'm let me write that down on the list. <laughs> Of more things that sound that sound uh, sound crazy. Jeez. So so I I want to hear how um, first of all how you got into the the whole Bigfoot. Well, you guys you guys call him Yowie over there. I want to know how yeah, you, yeah. how you got interested in into that because I I don't know a lot about how uh, the Australians. You know, like like we can kind of trace back in our modern history here in the United States uh, from some of the sightings and then the Patty film, you know, from the uh, 40s and 50s and some of the stories and kind of when Bigfoot in the modern age here in the United States kind of uh, came into the forefront. How what's the what's the background in Australia? Well, when the the first settlers arrived in 1788, um, after uh, not long after that, that that there was accounts of people seeing the, what they called a gorilla. They were calling it gorillas because that's all they knew what a big ape was, a gorilla. And uh, so then various accounts from all over New South Wales and Queensland and even down to our nation's nation's capital, Canberra which is pretty much inside of New South Wales. And there was old newspaper reports of people seeing um, these, you know, gorillas or hairy hairy men. So it's been around for a, a lot of years. And then not until you're looking the late into the 1970s where a man called Rex Gilroy um, was saying, you know, I'm, he's finding casts of of big feet, like like Bigfoot, and he's, you know, and they're calling it the Yowie. So um, Rex was pretty much the the first, pretty much the pioneer of uh, uh, the first uh, researcher that was doing anything, and he kind of stuck his neck out to say, hey, these things are here, but people would laugh and you know make a bit of a joke. But after that, and especially when uh, Facebook and you got Facebook groups and people are talking and uh, more and more people are opening up and telling their story. The, the Dean Harrison who runs, um, if you look up a website called Australian Yowie research, and there's just countless uh, reports from every state in Australia from different uh, time periods, some from the older generation that seen these things when they were young in the 1930s and 1940s or 50s and up till now, 
and there, and, and that's a, like a, a library of uh, of our um, our history of reports. So, and Dean's done a great job at doing that because otherwise these stories would be lost. But where I come into it is basically uh, I used to train greyhounds. I had a couple of uh, greyhounds that I bred myself in in the back of my house. So, I had ten pup, ten pups running around, and they just chewed everything. There was nothing green or a plant alive after they would run around the backyard. I tell you now. So. Um, and my mum wasn't quite happy of that. But anyway, they grew back. But anyway, I went to a place called Appen, A-P-P-I-N. And it's about 60, 70 k south of Sydney. And there's like a trial track. It's a straight track. And you use it to run your dogs um, up the straight. So it's like riding a bike. When you get first on the bike, you don't have your balance. Well, greyhounds aren't really balanced to run really, really fast when they're young. They've got to get used to running fast. So that's what this track was used for. And I'm down the bottom of the track, and it's really bushy in that area. And you could trace the bush from there, and you could walk all the way through patches of bush, through farmland, and not make your way back to the Blue Mountains without being seen. So that's what I've seen uh, after this you know, my encounter there happened. So I was waiting for my turn to trial my dog and it probably was going to be about 40 minutes of wait. And my greyhound, Sally, she'd never barked. She was a quiet dog. Uh, I used to think, oh, did you lose your bark? Did, you know, weren't you born with one? <laughs> I used to joke about that. Because <laughs> greyhounds, yeah. And, and one thing about dogs with the greyhounds, when the lure goes, that noise, they just concentrate on that noise. So when she turned around, and put herself in between me and the bush, which was a couple of metres behind the starting boxes, and started barking like really frantically, and the hair stood up all over her body like she'd been electri- electrified. I was kind of wondering, like, what's going on, Sally? And I'm like, Pat, and I'm like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm thinking, if it was like a rabbit or a little, some little animal, she'd try to try get it, you know, because they're taught to chase. And so she's like, you know, barking frantically, and I'm like, what's going on? Next minute, this gum tree that's probably 20 foot high and the trunk's nearly as thick as a basketball and it's just getting like thrown around left to right and you can hear the big roots on the bottom cracking you know it's gone bang bang and i'm just like is there like a bulldozer in there like what's going on and but i couldn't hear any noise it was just that tree cracking and then well what i I don't really follow the, the wrestling that you guys have over there now, but back in the day when I was younger, in the 80s, Andre the Giant was the biggest guy around, and he had a massive chest. So something with the size of that chest or bigger expelled all this, you know, just this sound that come out, and it's just like, and I'm just like, what the hell? And I just took off with the dog, and we went ran about 200 meters away to the other boxes, and we're like, "Did you guys see that? Look at the tree!" And then they got ripped out of the ground, and I couldn't stop talking. And they go, "You look, you like you've seen a ghost." And I'm like, "When they go, look at your dog." And I'm like, "Yeah, something just screamed at us and nearly ripped that tree out of the ground." And I'm like, "There's no machinery down there." To one of the guys working, I asked him, and he goes, "No, it's just full bush." So that's where it happened for me, and I was listening to one of your podcasts. Um, earlier yesterday and there was one of the guys was talking about watching the old Leonard Nimoy in search of well yeah we had yeah. we had that over here as well and I used to watch it every used to be on Sundays at 6 30 in the afternoon and I used to watch it every week and I used to go to bed scared and we had the blankets over my head but I kept watching it every week and I'll tell you now to this day the Bigfoot episode with that music is the most 
spookiest episode you'll ever want to watch and you won't want to go out in the dark after you watch that because of that music and um yeah so that's where my passion started and that's where my uh, my story and and that's that's and dean harrison said to me once once it's in your blood you're never going to get rid of it. You're going to be looking for yowies or just be interested in just looking what other people have done, you know, until you're dead. And he's true. Like, I can't stop trying to look. My mission is trying to find what this thing is, exactly is. And uh, I've had a few encounters and I've had some really interesting things happen along the way and I've met some great people that have become, like, my, my best friends. So, yeah, that's where it all started for me. So, But, it, but at the time where you're... Now, you made it sound like you and the dog ran together up the thing. Now, I've been around greyhounds, and if you're telling me right now that you could run with that greyhound, then we're signing you up for a, a rugby or football or whatever you guys I, do. Mate, I beat him. <laughs> I, beat him. I, I could have beat Usain Bolt, mate. I could have beat Usain Bolt at 100 metres. But, yeah, she was a bit freaked out, so she was more in a trot. And I was more in, you know... <laughs> Like that heavy breathing, because I wasn't that oh, fit. Yeah. Rang up and I got to the yeah, got to the other it was up to the other uh, boxes yeah, and yeah, it was just like everything happened. It seemed like it was only ten seconds, you know, it happened that quick, but it, it was over probably a a twenty five thirty second uh, period. But when it did make that big scream, well, I forgot to say is when it ran off. It was like massive sledgehammers hitting dirt ground, like the big thuds, and the bush was just getting, like, smashed out of the way. And I could see big trees kind of, like, just shaking as this thing was just making its way through the bush like a bulldozer. And I was just like, well, what? what's this thing? Like, I'm going to look up so straight away. And this is 2005, and I've been only doing research in two more years. It's 20 20 years, so two decades worth of research, and I looked up yowies. That's the first thing I said. It's got to be a yowie, and I'm thinking these things are really only a indigenous Dreamtime storage. Might not be true, or a chocolate. <laughs> so I'm looking at, and I found the Australian Yowie Research, and I contacted Dean and told him a story, and I've just gone from there. Now, now that place where you were, did you come to find out that there were other stories that? just hadn't been, you know, weren't more common knowledge. Did you find out that, that, because to me, you know, I hear a lot, we hear a lot of stories about how they're attracted to dogs. And if that's a dog track and people are taking out their greyhounds and, and whatever other dogs they may want to run, I mean, that would only naturally maybe draw in um, those yowies to that area. Yeah. Well, I, did in 2017 to I think 2020 I did do a like an online magazine called the Yowie Times, and I'm sure there's two um, uh, reports that people gave me that one was actually a guy that I know he was driving down there in the 1980s with his girlfriend coming back from Wollongong, which is south of there, back because they lived in that region, and one ran across the road right in front of him. And uh, he told his brothers, and they all laughed at him, you know, saying, you've seen something? He goes, no, nah, I nearly swerved off the road and crashed my car, and it's a dangerous area, Appen Road, because it's just these big, massive gum trees right next to the road. So if you veer off the road or swerve, 
you're going to hit one of these gum trees 100%. Like, there's a lot of people died along that road because it is dangerous. And then later on, the brothers that uh, laughed at him went on a uh, on a ride with their horses and um, they were going down a trail and one crossed from one side of the trail to the other right in front of them and they all saw it and they all went back to him and said, we're not laughing no more. We just saw one as well. So they have been um, seen down in that area and, yeah, within probably a good 10 or 15 kilometres around that area as well. So there's a lot of reports from the Royal National Park, which is pretty much not far from there. So, so it, now when we started, when we started talking, you said that there were reports from the, uh, you know, as far back as the late 1700s. That's the 18, 1800s it was. Yeah, when they... 1800. Yeah, because okay, yeah, we... Yeah, the, the first fleet, which is where Australia started, you know, Captain Cook come out here in 1770 and he said, yeah, you know, they, England needed to send all their um, convicts somewhere because there was too many of them. They're all <laughs> sitting in all these all these hulks, you know, on the Thames. So they sent them over here and the first fleet turned up in 1788. And then it took a while for them to start spreading out. So you're looking... At a you know probably a good twenty thirty years before they started getting right into the bush, and that's when the reports started happening in the in the you know eighteen twenties eighteen thirties. Well, it, it's just funny as I got a couple uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple articles sent to me that people found from the late eighteen hundreds here in America that were talking yeah. about wild hairy men, you know, yeah. or and and went into great detail, great description about. Uh, about these things and how they, you know, and it wasn't just one person in these small villages and towns here in the United States where this stuff was happening. You know, it was, it was a couple of, uh, one of them was three or four different eyewitnesses came forward. And what always struck me was, is um, it's one thing today, you know, where, you know, you're, you're sending me pictures and it takes two seconds to get here from from Australia. Okay. Um, (laughs) But how how is somebody in the 1800s going to know what's going on in Australia? You, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Going on yeah. in Australia and and make up copycat stories and and kind of piggyback off of something that's going on on the other side of the world. And so when you hear those you know old original stories from Australia and over in Russia and China, you know. It's just like, okay, so something's been going on for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And yep. it just is, it can't be, it can't be like everybody that's had these stories in Australia, they can't even just be making them up. There's got to be something to these stories, mm. you know, especially um, the ones from hundreds of years ago. You know, well, I mean, it's just it doesn't make any sense. It does just doesn't make any sense to me it, it, for people yep. to say this is just nonsense. You know, well, you look at all the indigenous um, people from from Australia and like North America and all mm-hmm. of Europe. They've all got the same stories as well. And they've been around for a long time living in these areas. So the Aboriginals here, they've been living in Australia, they're saying up to 100,000 years or longer. So they've lived alongside these creatures and, you know, they've become to know them pretty well. And then once the Europeans come in, then that was all kind of lost. 
Um, and then it was like a, you know, a big brothers come in and says, nah, this is the way things are going to be. So the, what they had organized is all, it's all out the window now. So, you know, cause the, the, the aboriginals here and, and, and the, and the, and the Yowies, so the Yowies looked after the, after the forest and then, you know, the aboriginals would, would look after the land with doing back burning. And so, you know, would keep mm. the food, the food happening because Australian bush had needs to get burnt for it to reproduce seeds. Some seeds will only open here unless it's high temperatures around them and then they open up and then seeds fall out. And if that doesn't happen, the seed doesn't come out unless it gets broken open by something like a rock fall or something or, or the tree falls over and it happens to get crushed. But yeah, going back to the, the stories, yeah. So there's not only the Europeans and the, and the white people telling stories back in where there's no Facebook, there's no uh, you know mobile phones, and how does one story from like 1850 from America get to Australia in 1830? It doesn't, you know, or, or vice versa, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. yeah, so, you know, 1850 in America, 1850 here, it just doesn't happen. It just, it would have to get on a boat and take, you know, uh, eight or nine months or 18 months to get here. So that's how far away we are from everyone, you know, with the boat. So, yeah, that's what's really mind boggling, mate, where, you know, these stories, were already out there way before you know Europeans moved into North America and Australia. So, it's funny. so and so the and so the origin story then in Australia is the Aboriginal people kind of lived side by side with these creatures, and they each had a I don't want to say job to do, but they each had uh, you know an importance to helping the other out so to speak as far as yeah. living okay so so now what do the what you know what do those people have to say today like are they still experiencing you know because i mean they're i'm sure they're li- you know there's still parts of uh, their culture still living out uh, uh out in the middle of nowhere and are they still living side by side with these creatures and helping them out or is that kind of changed well, they still have an understanding, but it has changed because of the white man, you know. So the the way things were get, getting done for, you know, thousands of years all changed where, you know, the populations of the indigenous fell away where, you know, they had fights with the European settlers and, you know, the Europeans had guns, so they were shooting the indigenous people. And you look at Tasmania, there's no um, Tasmanian Aboriginals left. They all died. They all got moved away from that area. So the the understanding is still there in parts, but not like it was. And you know, it's 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 a sad thing because they worked together and kept the land. Uh, it made food for everyone. And so, but that's how things change, and it's unfortunate. Well, so so let's jump back into then your journey then uh so you so you get scared to death you talk to to uh, dean Har- dean harrison right yeah and and so does he kind of like say oh, hey you had an experience now you know what are you gonna do you're gonna go you gonna just let it go or are you gonna go uh chase down another experience and and see if see if you can get some more proof um no i didn't really talk to him it was just through messages um and uh, I just kind of thought to myself, like, after watching all those 
you know, there's plenty of Bigfoot documentaries over the years and in search of and, you know, watching them growing up. And I was just thinking that nothing like that would ever happen to me. You know, it was just, you know, I'm taking a dog to a racetrack to trial. I'm not, you know, one of my wildest dreams that I think something would nearly rip a tree out of the ground, scream at me like big roar. Like I can't even get anywhere near what the, the sound it made. And then, bash it straight through the bush that would if i ran through there like that it just scratched the hell out of me there's some plants in australia just so you know just thorns and vines and everything and you know so that's where it started and and so i just thought all right i'll look up where there's a hot spot and i'm right at my doorstep the blue mountains it's like the biggest hot spot in australia so i thought i'll go up there and i'll start do some hiking and i'll try and see what i can find so and at that time the 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 Australian uh, Yowie Research Forum, there's a forum where people ask questions and people answer and people give out their findings and whatever they want to do, whatever they want to give out. Some people, a lot of people don't want to share stuff and I think that happens uh, in America where you get oh, yeah. something, you want to keep it to yourself and all that kind of stuff. And that's how it is with this kind of, in this what I call the Yowie world, you know. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I just went out and started looking for things and, um, and then there was a guy here called... Uh, his name is Rusty. He's got a really good YouTube channel called The Rusty Two 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 Triple Two. Three numbers. If you watch The Rusty Triple Two, he's he puts out like CCTV cameras and that like videotape one kilometer away for weeks on end. So he, something might walk through there. He captures it. So yeah, he was doing stuff like that. So I kind of learned from the guys that were already out there doing stuff, and I took a bit from each person. And I kind of, you know, everyone has their own way they research, but I took a little bit from this person, a little bit from that person and molded it up into what I thought was my best chance of getting any sort of, you know, footage or recordings. So I went out and put sound recorders out and I actually went out to areas and camped by myself in the bush, um, which would, I'd hike three or four or five hours along trails and go bush bashing for a kilometre or two and just be out in the middle of the bush going, here I am, um, where I is. And, um, yeah, I did get some action, and which kept me going back to them areas. But what you want to do, you just don't want to just keep going back and, uh, and and annoying these creatures. So I'd only research areas for a certain amount of time, and then I'd give them a rest and I'd go somewhere else. And it might take a year or two before I come back. Because if you keep on doing that um, and setting up, you know, trail cameras and sound recorders and keep on walking through their home base, basically, they're going to leave and go somewhere else. So it's going to be tough to find them. I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that makes that makes sense, you know. And But I know we, you know, we have some researchers over here that have just, you know, identified an area and just basically are there all the time. See, their, their thought process is that these uh, family units will become used to them and come closer and maybe let their guard down so it's interesting to see your thought process is i got to give them some space so they don't leave but look i'm not saying anyone's way is wrong or right it's just the way like i said i molded the way i believe that it's going to be best for me and see our creature here um the yowie could be quite different 
in its mannerisms to the Bigfoot. But the Bigfoot over there might not care. He might say, oh, well, there's a little humans there. I don't care. I'm going to still walk to the from A to B to go do my hunting and then come home. Where the Yowies, they're a little bit fickle in that way. That's, that's what I believe anyway. And that's what's been um, actually working for me. So I'm going to keep on using that structure and keep on uh, researching that way. So you're going on record to say that every single Yowie is a female? Then, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, gosh, I every female listening just rolled their eyes and they're like, "Okay, how am I going to?" They, don't hate, they don't hate me. You said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> oh, they know I'm kidding. Um, so, so, um, so let's get into some of your experiences because I mean, you got some. Like I said at the beginning, you you've sent me some really cool. Uh, sound uh, files of that just, you know, just are unbelievable to me. Yeah. So, which one do you want to talk about first? I um, well, let's. So, uh, I'm gonna we'll play the uh, the one walking one where um, I think it's the one where you uh, you must it's. Or no, is that the woodwalking, the wood knocking one where you asked, did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. at a place called uh, Bungonia National Park, which is near Canberra, which is about okay. three hours south of here. So we'll take a second here and we'll, and we'll play it for everybody. got a big wood knock okay so set that up because you're obviously um out there camping in the middle of you know describe where you're at when you hear this noise and uh, what you're thinking after you hear it well um i was down at a place called bungonia national park and it was actually pretty cold and in that national park they don't let you light campfires uh, and must because it's um, because of the risk of uh, the bush is so dry down there, and the risk of um, bushfire. So we end up just having like a heater, a gas heater thing out there, which uh, worked quite well for us. But we we're on a lookout. It was my wife uh, and two friends, um, David Reed, who researches in the Canberra area, and another friend of his called Vlad. So we're on this lookout, and I've got my parabolic dish, which is from a place. In, the, in America called Wildtronics and I've got the headphones on and I've um, got the, the noise cancelling headphones so I can't hear anything else but what's coming through the sound recorder and this is the first I think 10 or 15 seconds I ever used it in I, I used it like practicing um, like just out front of my house listening to cars and birds so I got used to it but in actual research in a real in a real situation where I'm using it to try and hear something it was like 10 15 seconds I've hit record and I've just asked everyone to be quiet because even if you walk anywhere near this 10 20 30 meters if you make some sort of noise it gets picked up in this dish it's really sensitive it's it's really good and so I've pointed it down in the valley and this valley is really steep and there's no trails there. Like it is like really steep. I've sent you a photo exactly where it was pointed down into. And um, 
pretty much after 10 seconds, there was a wood knock. And I just said to them, did you guys hear that wood knock? And they went, no. So it come from pretty far down in the valley, and it's a crystal clear wood knock. I've never recorded one as clear as that before. And, and those guys and those guys didn't hear it. Nobody else heard it, just you nah, with that. Just with the parabolic, yeah. yeah. And there was, was no wind in that area. It was a little bit windy around like another side, but there was no wind getting into there. So it could not have been a tree hitting a tree because they do sound like that on occasions. But it was still in that area. So I don't know what tree hit what. But, yeah, to me, yeah, that's a, that's a clear wood knock. So it's really like as soon as you, you know, as you were saying that, what really crossed my mind was, is okay, did that thing know you guys were there and was and was kind of is that its way of communicating to another one? And imagine if you don't have that dish, you have no idea there's one that close. Cause I mean, no matter how far away, I mean, it had to be close enough, you know, close, you know, close enough that you don't want to not know it's there. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. if you didn't, if you don't have that dish. You don't know that one's talking to another one if that's what they were doing and that they were that close to you. Well, we only heard that. Yeah, we only heard that one. (laughs) Well, I only heard that one would knock and we didn't hear or see anything else that night. And um, yeah, it was getting pretty cold. So we had to go back to our campsite and we we pretty much just stayed there the rest of the night. Then it started raining. So, but it's, it's even, it's good if you go out and you can get one thing. Like that, it does make things worthwhile. But there's plenty of times we go out and we get absolutely nothing. And it's just raining on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had tents up. We just jumped in our tents and said, all right, let's go to sleep. So that's what we did. Now, I want to play, um, before we get to the the one really good one, I want to play uh, some some of these. Um, I want to play one of them. Yeah, of the walking. Is it one? Uh, is that one from Glenbrook? Yeah, from Glenbrook. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we'll play here, and then we'll. Describe, describe that because that is obvious like where you're at and <laughs> because it's obvious there's something moving so yeah so describe like where exactly you're at in the circumstances well this is an area i happen to find uh at, at glenbrook is the first suburb you come to when you come to the top of the blue mountains and so I only went to Glenbrook because I knew this trail was an easy trail, um, not too hard. And I'd recently uh, had a Achilles tendon operation um, three months prior, and I was a bit jealous all the boys were going out and talking about stuff on AYR. And so I wanted to just go out. So, yeah, me, my physio told me off later, like I could have tore the, uh, the tendon off the back of the bone and stuff like that. But anyway, I took the risk. And so I went out there and was doing some research and uh yeah it took me a while to get down to this area it's a little bit tricky and so i thought i'd set some sound recorders up and see what i get so anyway uh, i've come back and 
So what happened is uh, something's come running around the rock ledge, and it's probably uh, the top of that little ledge to the bottom of the creek is you're probably looking at two to two and a half meters. So I don't think there's many people that want to jump down over two meters down to a uh, the bottom of a creek. Um, you know, you could bust your ankles or your knees. So then it, you hear it thud on the uh, creek bed and then you hear it walking through the water and the water's gurgling around its feet and this is freezing cold water that's uh pretty much like minus three conditions at about 3 three thirty in the morning so yeah it gets really cold up in the blue mountains for for australia so i don't know uh i don't know who's doing that at three o'clock in the morning so but i had a lot of recordings and a lot of weird happenings in this area so for one, I think the Yowies were coming from the area that it crossed over to. And the other area, there's a campground called Euroka, and there's a lot of people that camp there. So I think people are throwing food in the rubbish and, that, and they're probably going through the rubbish, eating the leftovers. And that's why they're going from A to B. Holy smokes. So, so this is one of those instances where the, by process of elimination, there's only a few things that are out there doing walking around at night like that. Yeah, well, look, the nocturnal animals in Australia you got wombat. Well, in wombat's a, like a big fat tank, mini tank. Like it's not jumping off anything. It's that slow. He just walks around eating grass. You got your uh, possums, which is not going to make that noise. Possums don't run around like that. They're they're up in the trees. They do run around on the ground, but they're not. They don't jump off rock ledges and make thuds on the bottom of the creek they're not that heavy um kangaroos you you can tell and there's no kangaroos in that area it's too rocky kangaroos are more in a grassy area there's the rock wallabies but they don't move around as much as at night as they do in the daytime plus a hopping to a bipedal walking sounds different you can tell that's something on two legs bipedal running or walking not hopping so there's nothing else out there other than a human and the yowie that would do that so i don't know what human's going to be out there in that freezing cold conditions and this is not an easy area to find anyway everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I um, and now that was one where you just left the recorder and yeah. left the area. Yeah, I did. Yeah, just left it for a week. And you know, um, you you know who else? So I know the Olympic Project out in Washington. They do that sort of thing too. Rather than put up the cameras, they put out like little uh, recorders in this area that they have uh, discovered like what they believe is nesting sites and stuff. And yeah. it's amazing. And it's amazing. 
like it's almost like the 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 ghost creatures do everything they can to avoid a trail camera or any kind of camera you put up but they don't it's like they don't even care about a recorder you know they'll walk right up to it or buy it and um it's almost like they're trying to uh you know make noise so that you can hear it you know and you would you would think that just the um that a recorder and a camera just in and of itself being out in the wilderness would somehow uh, alert them to that, that something's a little strange in my, in my book. If you're that, if you're that sensitive as an animal or, a, you know, if you have that kind of instinct. Well, one thing I, I, I've found between a sound recorder and a trial camera, a trial camera will make a noise. The human ear can't hear it. When I recorded some house at Maramara, I left a sound recorder on top of the trial camera and during the recording you can hear the trial camera wind and click every time it took a photo but you can't hear that with the human ears so are they hearing trial cameras working making you know the mechanism inside working where we can't hear it because it's so soft but can they hear that and thinking what's making that noise that's weird it's something we don't know we're not going to go near it but a sound recorder you press record it's just doesn't doesn't make those noises so it could be something as simple as that. Interesting. That's a, that's interesting. I mean, I, I well, again, you know, it's it's fascinating to me all the different um, approaches that that you guys and girls out there like doing the real research have thought of, you know, to try to capture some sort of uh, evidence or whatever. And obviously, you're doing you're capturing some good stuff audio wise for sure. I mean, um, now, now I want to, uh, now I'm going to play the how, because I think, I think that is one of the, the best, uh, one of the best recordings I've heard of, uh, of some creature out there that I don't know what it is, um, you know, making a noise. So we'll, we'll play it and then we can, you know, I want you to describe it and, uh, you know, and I'll tell you what I, what I think it sounds like. And, uh, We'll go from there. So we just played the, we just played the, uh, the house. So tell me, I mean, and I told you before I, that to me sounds like you were in Ohio. It captured the it captured the infamous uh, Ohio howl that, uh, that you're gonna have to send you're gonna have to send me that because I've never heard the Ohio howl. I've heard I think there's one from Washington. Um, You've never heard the Ohio howl, and I and I and I don't want to say. I mean, I think Matt Moneymaker is the one that captured it, but I don't I don't want to say that for sure because i i don't uh, know i should know but uh but i will I, i'll find it and send it to you because it um um i think it sounds uh, i think it's well i'll tell you what we'll put it in right right in here and we'll let people hear both of them and uh um see what they think <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
I think they sound some very similar. Yeah, it sounds like you're in Ohio. <laughs> no, I was in uh, I was in New South Wales and in, in the state I live in. Um, yeah, so they set up the situation where where we were. The reason why I went to this area because a friend of mine, Heath, he um, he was fishing on the Hawkesbury River, which this Maramara National Park is pretty much right on the edge of the Hawkesbury River. But the campground that we went to is like a uh, like a little creek. It's called Maramara Creek, and that runs off into Bedford Creek, and then Bedford Creek runs off in directly into the Hawkesbury River. And that's the, the main river there in that system so he was on the Hawkesbury River and he had something happen to him really weird um, and he uh, you know said to me look you might pay to go to that area and have a look around there's been some sightings and some weird things happening over the years so I'm like all right where's the closest I can get to there? that and I went well I found this campground called Maramara and it's about a seven kilometer hike to get there because they closed the gate off the fire trail gate so only the national parks and like if there's a fire there the fire engines and the police can go down there when they open the gate so it just stops people going down there and being stupid and wrecking things so I find that campers in generally and hikers are, are decent people are just there for good reasons like hiking and camping and not trying to be an idiot so basically you've got to hike in there you've got to carry all your stuff you've got to carry your water your food your tent everything closed so we get down there um there was a, a friend of mine roger at the time and we had a few things happen um two weeks prior to this day so i went back there with an, uh, an, another friend called adam and my wife and my wife's filipino and she wasn't too sure that these things were real she thought that you know we're just kind of you know playing a joke on her so she came out and it gets to a, le- a quarter past 11. I remember it because I looked at my phone and I said to Adam, sorry, mate, last two weeks ago, this place was going off. It was going crazy. It was wood knocks. There was like noises that we couldn't understand what animal it came from. Because when you go out in the bush, you understand what noises are. You guys get coyotes and wolves and bears <laughs> and cougars. You, you kind of know the noises. We're here, you know, there's all different noises and the, like the one that makes the most noise is foxes. You know, they scream and that, and people get really like, oh, what's that? But foxes make a lot of noises. But you come to know what noises possums make and koalas and everything else. They're more just grunts and growls. And it is weird if you're not going out there to research and you're just going for camping and these things are grunting and growling and you think, what's out here? So people get scared. And it is a pretty spooky area at night. It gets really dark and really quiet. So I'm about to open up my tent to say sorry Adam um, this place was going off I put my finger on in my on, on the tent I unzip it next minute this thing just starts howling and I've had my I had a smaller parabolic dish a cheaper version and this is what I mostly recorded it all on and it started howling on and off for about oh I'd say about half an hour to 40 minutes and the howls that we end up hearing it was like you know, you're there yelling out to say where to your mates, where are you? Where are you? I'm lost. So it ended up coming down the ridge, which is no trail, and it's just solid bush uh, coming down that ridge over a period of time as it was howling probably every five minutes. And, it, and when it did howl, 
you know when you hear dogs get to the end of their 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 lung capacity when they're making a howl or a bark and they kind of at the end you kind of wavers well this one when it howled from up and down when it did its sequence of howls mate it was just punching it out strong where it like it had more left than its lungs and it the sound recording doesn't do justice of how loud this was. And no person would do this. They, they, you know, it's like when you blow balloons up after, uh, you might do three or four balloons and you start going, oh, my lungs have like, they've had it. I haven't got no, I can't do it no more because it's hurting my lungs where this thing was just doing it constantly. And we didn't hear anything else reply or any other noises. And about a hundred meters away from us was another couple camping and a, I've come good friends with him. His name's Kurt. And we've gone back to Maramara a few times since and recorded some really weird, you know, really weird sounds there that we can't say what they are. But on this day, it come across the tidal creek, which was about chest high. And this was in June, which is winter time for us. And it's really cold because I walked across the creek in uh, the next day where I had my sound recorder on top of the trail camera and I didn't have any shoes on and I had to come back and put my feet over the fire because I, I nearly got frostbite or they were freezing cold and was hurting. So you wouldn't be walking through there at like 11 o'clock at night. You wouldn't be walking. I wouldn't go in the water in the daytime. It was that cold. So it come across and when we heard it come across the other side, there's long grass there and, and uh, ferns that sometimes they get to about as high as a, someone that's about six foot tall. So you could easily hide in there. But we heard that. And while this was all happening, my wife was like throwing heaps of wood on the fire. She was freaking out. Kurt had got out of his tent to start a fire as well. And he said to me later on when we talked the next day that, look, he, he's been out in the bush uh you know, shooting wild pigs and all that. He goes, I've heard all these noises that all these wild animals make. I've never heard that before. He was like, what the hell is that? And he goes, that was loud. So he asked us what we're there for. And we told him and he says, oh, I'm really interested in that. Can I join you? And I said, yeah, if you want to come out me, I'm, you know, you can come out. So we've become good friends since then. And so when he's come out and put the fire on, you know, he's, girlfriend was freaking out in the tent like what's this going what's this screaming he said they could hear it walking around through the the grass the other side of their tent probably within about 20 meters so we've shown our torch torches that way and we had really bright torches that just light up the bush like daytime and he's looked around at us like they've heard the same thing so he's pointed his torch in and then we're following it going through the bush but we couldn't see it and then it just ran up this ridge that would take us about at least 40 minutes to climb back out it's the way that we get out and this thing's gone up there within about 10 seconds and gone and so i've just went straight away we've got to come back here again so we've been kind of going back there in winter time only because there's no snakes and there's no people there at winter time so it's the best time for us to go there so so then so the night you recorded the how he kurt and his girlfriend were about 100 meters away and yeah. they heard the howl like close yep. to them. Like it was not like right up on on you, but it was right up next to them. Yeah, no, when it, when it was howling, it was on the other side of the of the of Maramara Creek, which okay. in, in that in that area it's about you'd say up to about fifteen meters wide. And it come from nearly the top of the ridge 
because that's when we first heard it was up this ridge which was just solid like rainforesty kind of bush and it and, and it gradually made its way down slowly it wasn't doing it fast like i said it took about 40 minutes for it to get over the creek but once it come through the creek and went over the bush it never made any noises and it just we just hear something big going through the grass and then it end up going up up the ridge running up the ridge and gone and um yeah it made all the howls before it got to the creek so so why do you so you've been out chasing this chasing these things obviously very close to them why do you think it it announced its presence and then kept coming to check you guys out oh well i think it's just it was going back from you know finding food in an area and then going back home so it was probably calling out and um and uh hoping it'd get a reply from you know its family members or its tribe or whatever you want to call them but because we were there we had a we only the fire we had was only really small and it gets really dark there and yeah Kurt and his girlfriend were already in the tent quiet we were just sitting around the campfire talking and we weren't talking that loud. We we're just, you know, talking. We're trying to be as quiet as we could. So if we heard something in one ear coming from one side of, you know, from where we were sitting, we could go, oh, quick, let's go over there and we'll get the parabolic and we'll try and listen to see what it is. Um, so we're being quiet. So it mightn't have known we were there um, and called out. And then, but it could have just been, I don't care. There's people here all the time, <laughs> which there is. There's people camping yeah. there all year round. And it just went, I'm announcing myself, I don't care. But when it come through the the, the, the the Tidal Creek and into the grass, it ran really quick. Like it did go really quick. It was only a matter of 15 seconds by the time it come out of the water to by, to by the time it got up to that ridge, which would have taken us a long time to get up there. Well, it's just, it's just interesting behavior. Like, uh, you know, like if if these creatures like don't want to be seen, seemingly, like why announce? You know, hey, I'm coming. Unless it didn't know you were there. So yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. It's just it's just we. Hey, look, I it don't is care weird, what right? it's. I don't care what it's doing. If I'm out there and I hear that yell uh, or that no- noise, I'm not there. I'm already gone before it gets there. Like, oh no, mate! No, we were the opposite, mate. It was we we had like a um, they the national parks put up like a a picnic table and and that, and we were like sitting on that with resting our hands on the table with the parabolic dishes, and we we're looking at Adam and myself, we we're looking at each other, and we had the biggest smiles on our faces, going yeah yeah yeah, keep buddy, keep howling, keep howling. Oh, we loved it. It was the best. <laughs> yeah but you australians are a lot tougher than some of us midwest ohio people you know i mean come on <laughs> <laughs> oh man so so what is um like have you had any like visual sightings other than like seeing the tree and stuff uh shaken have you had the opportunity to actually lay some lay your eyes on one of these creatures <clears throat> well I, I recorded one uh, in 2013, and my YouTube channel is um, Yowie Dan's Australian Yowie, and there's one called the Glenbrook Yowie, and I think I've pinpointed it or pin stuck it, so it's the first video. Um, and there's a rock ledge there that's about I've measured it up to three meters tall, about nearly 12 foot in some 
areas. And I was down there when I had my when I put the sound recorders out and my had my ankle operation and I uh, I did not see this one but I recorded it in the background. It's like standing next to this big rock formation and you can only see the top bit of it. It's about from its like shoulders to its head, but the rest of it's all covered with thick bush. And I've shown you the pictures there of that rock ledge. Oh, okay, um, yeah, that's from that. That's from that. Yeah, video. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the rock ledge. You see one of my mates. He's on his um, hands and knees. That, that was actually Heath. He one that said, said go to to the Hawkesby area, and he wanted to come and check out the area. So he's got his hands on his knees, and he's looking down, and it makes him look like a little kid. That's how big it is. And then like, uh, there's nothing else there that's that tall nothing's 10 foot taller or, or you know in 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 australia so i didn't see it or smell it but i caught it in the background and I, I watched that video four or five times before i picked that up and this was back in 2013 so i was re- researching that area a little bit and before i stopped researching it i walked along the trail to go in and something started paralleling me and i heard some indigenous kind of voices around which is like they call it samurai chatter, which is like the Yowie's making talk, and but it sounds like an indigenous speech, and it sounded like kids, and then it sounded like teenage girls, and then it sounded like adults, and I was like, it was raining and foggy, but I was like, what the hell's going on? And so I walk along along the trail, and this thing's paralleling me in the bush, and I'm thinking, is that just a wallaby, and it's just happened to be going the same way? But over about a seven to eight hundred meter hike along this trail it would stop when i stopped and then it would walk when i walked and it didn't sound like hopping and i'm like something's there so i went i know that where there's an area where it's more like paper bark trees and there's less thick bush when i get there i'll get the camera ready and see if i can get it so anyway when it got there i've tried being really bad with the camera back then i was overshooting it because it was kind of a bit higher than what i was and I was overshooting it, and I was actually pointing to the top of the trees, not down the bottom where it was kind of looking around, looking at me. And this was this, these are ones called Junjudis, and they're only about three foot tall. That's as tall as they get. And they look like they're about a 10 year old kid, and they've got small lips and noses, and they only got little features. And it was just looking at around me. And I, and I thought it was just like a bulge in a tree where some sort of imp insects got in there and it's made the tree kind of looking like trees here sometimes they bulge out because of the, the insects in them and um or the worms or something anyway uh i'm looking at this thing and i'm like and it's about eight meters away and it's raining and it's foggy and uh, i look you know like is that what i think it is and then it blinked and it just moved its head about an inch and then i just started picking up all the features and all the hair started standing up on the back of my neck and i got that kind of like <laughs> A weird feeling, and I'm just, and I'm just going, and I just remember saying, my heart's beating now, and I'm like, oh, duh, it's always beating, but it was like meant to say it's beating hard, and like, holy hell, I've seen one now, they're real, and I just started picking out features on it, and uh, but I never really got it on camera because I kept overshooting, and by the time it turned, it was like really small. It was behind a small, like it was the thickest tree there, but it was only a small creature, and um. Like the top of its head would only come to my chest, and I'm like just about six foot tall, so it's only half as tall as me. Really small, and then from then on, I went, yeah, they are real. What I heard and encountered is real, but this one, why is it so small? And then I didn't know there were smaller ones. And after that, I was at a place called the Wadigans with um, Adam, and it's north, about three hours north of Sydney, and. A lot of people there during the daytime but 
we're in a campsite where there was people, you know, yahooing and that. So we walked over a ridge and went to another area. And I said, well, go, I want to go down to the creek to see what I can find because, you know, where there's water, there's life. Where we're up on the ridge, it was dry and bone dry. So he goes, I'll stay up here. So I've gone down there. It's about 200 metres to get down. There's vines and everything, and, and it's really hard to get down. But I got to the bottom, and I said to him, something just growled at me. And we've got little walkie-talkies, and I'm going, uh, something growled at me. He's like, yeah, sure. I said, I'm telling you, something just growled at me. I'm like, hey, it's not a wild dog. And then it just took off up the ridge. And I'm like, I couldn't see it. I just, it was like, just like all these leaves went flying everywhere. And I go, well, it's coming up to you now. And he's going, what, what? And then he goes, oh, I can hear it. I can hear it. And then, so I started climbing back up. Then I can hear something running along the ridge from my left to the right. Then I can hear something about 10 seconds later running the same after it. So the first one was the Yowie. The second one was, was Adam. So I finally got up there up the top. Take me 10 minutes to get up there. And we're still talking on the walkie-talkies. And Adam's going, there's people camping here, but I've lost sight of it. But he said to me, which was something really funny and people have said before, he goes, he goes, it's like it's running. I can see all the leaves moving and because you know, there's a lot of the, the gum trees throw a lot of leaf matter on the ground and he goes it's running and these things are flicking up but I can't see it he goes it, it's like it's it's just like it's invisible and I'm like what and he goes I'm telling you but anyway it kind of did like a D shape so it's gone from my left to right I've come up to where they started running where it got to the top of the ridge so I was there it's come around done a D shape like a, a half circle and it, when I look to my left it's coming down through the bushes and it was like the paddy shape like thick but not tall it was about six foot tall but really really wide like I'm telling you like three and a half to four foot wide at the shoulders it was really thick and you know when you see the the, the walkers do the, the 50K walking marathon for the Olympics and you think they're not walking fast, but the people are running as fast as they can next to them. That's how fast it was walking. And I could see it for every second gum tree. So every second stride, I could see it. And I just went, shit, that's moving quick. And I'm like, Adam, come over here. It's over here. It's over here. It's come back. So he's come running back. It's taken about a minute to get there. We could still hear it crashing down through all the vines in the bush so we tried to go down there but there was too many vines we're getting caught up and we could hear it crash bang through so we're looking at all the vines to try and see if we could find hairs but we couldn't find any and then it was just gone but i got a good look at that one and i just went oh that was the only yaoi that i've seen wow so the so again the first one that you saw was that was little what did you what did you call that what did you guys they're, it's it's called a junjidi. So that's a, a, an indigenous word for it. And all, they're, they're, they're the little ones, and they're supposed to be really cheeky, and they'll try and steal stuff from you. Okay. And all, yeah, and then you've got the big yaoi's, and then you've got um, quinkins, which are really tall ones, which come from northern New South Wales that are up to 12 foot tall. But there's different names for the um, the yaoi. you got Dulagal is one. And there's look, there's many names like, the Native American Indians have got many names for, for Bigfoot, yeah. like Sasquatch and Omar, but there's many names, but oh, I can't pronounce them. <laughs> I'm hopeless at pronouncing some <laughs> indigenous names, but there is a lot of different names for them. But uh, in Western Australia and other places, they call the Junjidi, they call them brown jacks. And, you know, the Aboriginals say, you know, when, when they're sleeping and they don't, 
lock their houses up because you know they're in the communities there and they said they come in at night and they can hear them walking around their house and sometimes they'll touch you know the aboriginals on the on the shoulder and when they'll wake up and get startled and they'll go running out the door so um yeah so i've actually had one i had my parabolic that i recorded the wood knocking that i've got now we're in the jamison valley we're filming for tracking uh track search for australia's bigfoot so we're in there and i've got my parabolic set up to this little ridge going down into the valley and we'll we'll down in the valley but we'll 20 meters down from the walking track but it was like a rock plateau there and we had it pointed down further down so one of the boys said there's something up here moving so i've got a thermal monocular now so i've got the thermal out looking for it and i had that presence of something walking right up behind me and when i turned around because i just went oh shit i got i got startled when i turned around the actual tripod and and i was about half a meter away from it so i didn't hit it myself the tripod was rocking a bit like something had grabbed it and then this thing's just gone flying down in the bush and then Attila and a duo heard it as well and I said look at the tripod it's trying to pinch me stuff you know so I've gone I'm not turning me back on these things again so I tried to get it on the thermal I seen something look like a top of a head but I can't say if it is or not but uh, yeah, so they're, they're, they're cheeky ones. So the small ones are the Junjadis. <laughs> yeah, small ones are the Junjadis, and then you've got the Yowies, or they name them girls or and these other words that, like I said, I can't pronounce the the the, uh, the names, the indigenous name, names for them. Wow. So I, I'm i surprised they don't call the bigger ones the Luke Longlings. How about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, basketball. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. The only isn't he the only professional Australian basketball player I think, and, and, and made it to the NBA. Luke Longley, I mean, come on, he's he's famous over here. Is he more famous here than he is in Australia? Yeah, probably. Basketball's not really big out here. It's like <laughs> there's a league, but they don't get like there's not a huge following. It's like in Australia, you got to understand in New South Wales and in Queensland, rugby league is the the main game. Um, in summer, and then you got cricket in the in the uh, sorry in the, in the winter for the rugby league, and in summer it's cricket, and in uh, Victoria uh, and South Australia, Western Australia, um, it's uh, Aussie Rules, Australian football, completely different game. Aussie Rules is like Gaelic football. Have you ever seen Gaelic football? Um, oh yeah, I see, oh I understand what you're, yeah I know what you're, yeah I know what you're talking about. See, yeah, so, I told you Australians are just tougher. Than us, than us guys in Ohio. We don't wear, we don't, in, in, in Australian rules and rugby league, there's no um, helmets or no padding. And um, where your, your American um, football game stops and one team defends and then another part of the team comes in attack. No, our team, you, you attack and you defend and it's 40 minutes per half and the game hardly stops. So you're running around for 40 minutes and, uh, you can't throw the ball forward like you guys do. You can kick it forward and then grab it again. Um, but when you go over the line, you've got to put the foot the football on the ground. It's not like you get over the ground. You know, you guys get touchdown and you, the ball can be held up and the guy's on his back, but it's a touchdown. But here, if that's the same case, it's not a try, which we call a try. You've got to put the ball down. But there's no padding, and they smash each other. Like you, you want to see gladiators hit each other without padding. 
Look up rugby. Look up rugby. Look up. Look up. Look up the biggest hits in rugby league or the biggest hits in in, in Aussie Australian rules. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. It's just. Uh, that's why I know you're going to catch a yowie before uh, I catch a bigfoot <laughs> because I. I it sounds to me like you can tackle one of those three foot tall ones, like one of the ones trying to steal your stuff. We'll good. put this. Put it this so, way. I, I got bad ankles, so I can't run. So I must learn how to tackle one. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> the only way to survive. <laughs> well, Dan, well, Dan, I I have loved to hear about all your experiences and stuff out there, and I and I I, I feel like I'm blessed that you sent us all these recordings and stuff, and we got to share them with everybody. And I, I'm gonna go up on some of our Patreon and share some of the other pictures and some of the other recordings that we did share on here for our Patreon members. If you're okay with that, I think they'll, yeah, I think yeah, they'll love sure. that. And, um, but I want you to tell, so tell everybody that, that listened to, to this episode where they can go find, uh, you know, tell them about your YouTube channel again and where they can, uh, find, uh, some more of your stuff. And if, you know, one of if our listeners in Australia don't know about Yowie Dan, tell them how you know. Tell them how they can get a hold of you and tell you about their uh, own Yowie experiences if they have never told anybody. Yeah, well, my YouTube channel is Australian Yowie or Yowie Dan's Australian Yowie, and um, that's where I got all my videos. Uh, I'm not on Facebook. I got off Facebook. Um, I just sick of that platform, and so that's the only place I put all my videos. And um, if anyone wants to message me or anything um, through Messenger, I've still got Messenger under Yowie Dan. I'm happy to have a chat any time about Yowies. And um, many people have uh, come in contact with me through that way and told me stories or sent me videos and asking what I think, you know, my, my, my opinion. And I always give my honest opinion. And that's the one thing that I will stress, that if I'm out there with someone and they say, "Hey, I heard a wood knock. Did you hear that?" If I didn't hear it, I don't say yes. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. like, you have to be like true to yourself with these things, and not what we say is bullshit. Because unfortunately, there's one guy out here at the moment in Australia. I won't say his name, and he is just pretty much uh, we're watching where people like Dean Harrison and that go, and when they're getting um, when they're getting you know quality uh, results. Uh, he's going to those areas as well, only in the in the daytime, and he's really disturbing the area for them. And then he's pretty much taking, uh, what could I say? He's taken a reports off uh, a place called Trove, which is an old archive for old newspaper articles from. We took one from the 1850s and wrote it up as a red alert, latest um, Yowie encounter. And it's a report from 1850s, and he's been busted now. So, you know, we've got people like that here. I'm not sure about you guys in America. There's always people that want to fake stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, try to, you know. They, they, so that's the unfortunate thing. You, you've got to be honest, honest about these things. And, you know, I, I'd be 100% down the line honest with what I do and everything I record. You know, I'll tell everyone the information, and most times – that I've been out there, there's someone else there, two or three people. I don't go out in big groups. There's only small groups and they hear and see the same things as I do. So they can back me up. Like um, before we, we, we go today, we have got a documentary out. There's two of them. There's one called Track Search for Australia's Bigfoot. You can watch it on Tubi TV for free. 
and the latest one by my good friend and producer, filmmaker Attila Kaldi. He's made both of these documentaries. And the next one is Tracking the Law. And I'm sure it's available on, um, I think, Amazon Prime over there in the States, or it's on Microsoft, uh, Google, Vimeo, and a lot of platforms. But yeah, Tracking the Law. Um, I think it's on Apple TV as well. And it is a really fantastic documentary. If you want to see a documentary about the Australian bushfires and the Indigenous people telling their stories, and if the Yowies are still alive after the bushfires came through Australia back in 2019, 2020, just before the pandemic, um, this documentary is one to watch. It's very different to other documentaries, and anyone that watches it wants to watch it a few more times because it's that, that good. So please go out there and, 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 and watch that documentary. I'll see if I can, I'll see if I can find a, a link to it on, on one of those um, outlets, and we'll put it in our uh, description of the, uh, of the episode so people can go check it out. So mm. and we'll, put your, we'll put your YouTube channel in the description too for people so they can go, uh, go check it out as well. So, but I, I, Dan, I'm, I appreciate you, uh, coming on and sharing all this stuff. And, uh, um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what else, what other kind of evidence you capture in the future, because, uh, I do, I do appreciate everybody that's out there, uh, doing it because like I said, I'm too chicken. I'm not, I'm not going out there and sleeping in the, you know, so, but I appreciate it. And I, I really thank you for coming on and, uh, and spending some time with us. No, it's been great, mate. I mean, oh, talking about the Yowies is uh, is my passion. Um, that's what's like Dean said. It's in my blood, and it's I don't think it's ever going to go. So that's what I like to do, and just to get out there and get one piece of uh, of evidence every time we go out is a fantastic feeling. So thanks very much for having me. Yep. Thank. Hey. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.